Hello, and welcome to WISMED On Call, a podcast from the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients and the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. I'm Marge Murray, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Medical Society Foundation. And I am Mark Zaidi. I'm the Executive Director for WISMED Financial. Today, we're here to discuss year-end giving. It's a popular topic this time of year. And so uh, Marge is being the Executive Director for the Foundation. You could tell us a bit more about how the gifts and finances that the Foundation has are used to uh, support the communities. So year in giving especially really helps us plan out our next year's work in the communities that we serve in Wisconsin. Our mission is to try to improve the health of Wisconsin. And we have found that the best way to do that is to ask physicians that um, are members of the society and that are not members of the Wisconsin Medical Society, what are the biggest issues facing their communities? We know that Having good health care is very important to people's health, but we also know it's only a fraction of that health uh, that happens in the clinic. And physicians are kind of the canaries in the coal mine in their communities to figure out what, whether it's racism or poverty or obesity, addiction, what are the issues facing their communities? And then we try to plan out for the year how we can support foundations in all of these communities to try to make a difference. And having a good year-end giving fund really helps us to plan and get, get off the, the start line, so to speak, much faster. Year-end giving kind of came around as the way nonprofits planned their work because of tax deductions and everybody waiting until the end of the year to figure out how much more they could give and deduct. That's no longer as we'll talk about in a few minutes, exactly how the tax code works, but it is still the way nonprofits work. We know now this year that with the CARES Act, there is an above the line deduction of $300 that as you and I both know, as we just did some little extra research in, we don't know if it's just $300 or if there is a chance the IRS is going to extend that to make it be $600 for a family. So right now there's an above the line deduction of $300 for 2020. But are there some ways that you know of if somebody wants to give a more meaningful gift or get a more meaningful deduction that people can still use to take advantage of the tax code and their giving? Yeah, there absolutely is. And so um, ever since the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, the higher standard deduction that resulted from from the, the passing of that act uh, has meant that most people now uh, take the standard deduction rather than itemizing the deduction. And what's unfortunate about that is that for many people, when they're making charitable gifts, those are part of their itemized deductions. But because the standard deduction is so much higher, people are not necessarily getting the tax benefit from those charitable gifts. And so one way to uh, to to actually get a tax deduction for those charitable gifts is to bunch charitable deductions into a single tax year. And the one of the easiest ways to do that is through the use of a charitable account or more technically called a donor advised fund. And so if you if you picture somebody who gives regularly each and every year to uh, to one or various charities, they might not have enough to to itemize their deductions in any one single year. However, if they take, let's say, five years worth of charitable gifts and claim them all in a single year, 
that may give them enough to exceed the standard deduction and therefore itemize and take advantage of that tax break. So, so the strategy is basically this, um, a taxpayer would open up a charitable account called a donor advised fund. And they take, let's say three years or five years worth of their charitable gifts and contribute that money or appreciate securities equivalent to those gifts into that charitable account. That may give them enough to itemize this year. And then in future years, they would claim a standard deduction. From that donor advised fund, that's what they now use to make their charitable gifts for this year and next year and in the years going forward. So the charity uh, still receives the same gift each year, but now we've accelerated the tax deduction and claimed it all in one year so that that taxpayer can now itemize and really take advantage of the tax deduction for that charitable gift. And so that strategy of the donor advice one works really well, uh, especially for people that are under age 70 and a half. For folks that are over age 70 and a half, a different strategy is used and it's called qualified charitable distribution. And so this is money that's inside of a pre-tax retirement account, like a traditional IRA or a pre-tax 401k or 403b. And the advantage here is if you're over age 70 and a half, you can make a charitable gift directly from that pre-tax retirement account to charity. And the difference here is that it's coming from a retirement account directly to charity. So it never shows up as income on your tax return to begin with. And therefore you don't need to try to claim an itemized tax deduction for it um, on the back end either. And so for folks that are over age 70 and a half, that qualified charitable distribution is the right strategy to use. For folks that are under age 70 and a half, uh, setting up a charitable account or called the donor advice fund can really help them take advantage of the, the tax code and get a tax deduction for those charitable gifts. For the qualified charitable deduction, would someone need to have their plan, be it Fidelity or whoever holds their, their 401k or IRA, send the check themselves or you could get your own check and just send it on and just kind of ignore it when it came to taxes? No, this is something that you'll, you'll have to work with whichever company holds that investment account. Typically, there is a form that gets filled out and you let them know you want to make a qualified charitable distribution to uh, whatever charity of your choice. And then that investment firm will cut the check on your behalf and send the funds directly to, uh, to the charity. The other thing to keep in mind is that is to add a note to your tax folder that you did make a QCD or qualified charitable distribution to charity so that when uh, when your tax preparer is preparing your tax return for the year, they can reduce your income by the amount of that, that qualified charitable distribution. And then I know this year the required minimum distribution was waived for IRAs for people over 70 and a half, but in years when there is a required minimum distribution, this would count as taking part of it, the money that goes It absolutely donation. does, yep. And so, yeah, there's actually two changes. So the first change you, you hit on already is that required minimum distributions are waived for 2020, but folks can still use the QCD strategy to make their gift. And then the other change that happened recently is that the age was increased on those required minimum distributions. So now it's starting at age 72 rather than age 70 and a half, however, Congress did not tie the qualified charitable distribution age with required minimum distributions. So now we have this split age where you can do qualified charitable distributions starting at age 70 and a half, even though required minimum distributions don't start until age 72. Okay. 
That's great. And then I think one of the things you talked about too with the donor advised funds is that appreciated securities are a good method to fund those. So you don't end up paying the tax consequences on the appreciation. Absolutely. So the appreciated securities, if you sell those, you would owe capital gains tax upon the sale of, of that security. If those appreciated securities are instead given to a donor advised fund, that's considered a charitable entity, a 501c3, and that charitable entity does not pay taxes. Therefore, that capital gains tax just simply disappears and nobody has to pay that capital gains tax. So giving appreciated securities is really a great way to fund a charitable account uh, rather than cash. So all of that uh, Amazon stock that people have sitting around right now would be a good thing to put into a donor advised fund. Absolutely. That'd be perfect. And it could still grow, correct? It would stay as could stay a stock or does it get changed into cash when we start these funds? Typically the, the stock is sold immediately, but okay. then there's a menu of uh, mutual funds similar to you know the menu of mutual funds that you might have inside of a 401k or 403b where the proceeds from that stock sale can be reinvested so that the donor advised fund can continue to grow and ultimately um, you know allows a taxpayer to make larger charitable gifts or more charitable gifts in the future with that sure. investment growth and without any tax ramifications so and one of the things i think that you had also shared with me is these donor advised funds can work almost like a checking account one of the things that we are hoping to build is our monthly giving program because just like the end of year giving helps us plan for our impact in the next years, the monthly giving truly sustains us in our mission. I think organizations like public television and public radio have really learned that this is how they can keep the news on and keep working. And it goes true for the Wisconsin Medical Society Foundation and many other organizations as well. So if somebody wanted to join a sustaining monthly program, they could set it up with their fund and it would a check would come every month. Yep, absolutely. Like it. It, it actually looks and feels a lot like online bill payment with a bank checking account uh, where you'd log into the account, choose the, the charitable organization that you want to make a gift to. And then it can either be a one-time gift or like you said, a sustaining gift um, over time can have those regular gifts made to, to the charity. That's exciting, yeah. yes. So Mark, you're relatively new to the WISMED community uh, with WISMED Financial. Can you tell us a little bit about what the history is and why WISMED Financial was created since it is a brand new organization within our organization? Right, so, you know, the Wisconsin Medical Society has identified that there's a real need for for a trusted financial service and financial education among the members. And, and so this firm was formed to really be, you know, a value add to the membership and to provide some of that needed financial planning. So whether it be around managing and paying down med school debt, perhaps it's around family planning and, you know, saving up for son or daughter's college or simply for uh, retirement planning and figuring out you know, I, I'm going to be retired soon. I need to replace my paycheck from Social Security, from my portfolio. I need to make some decisions around, around Medicare. And how do I bridge the gap, perhaps, if I'm retired early between when I retire and when Medicare starts at age 65? So there's all of these financial questions and issues that pop up um, as people are going through life. 
And so WISMED Financial is there to be a consultant and help with those, those issues by providing financial planning and investment services. That seems like really a great service to, to offer. Yep. Um, I've been around just slightly longer than you. I started the foundation uh, at the very end of March, the very beginning of the pandemic. And one of the things that attracted me to the Wisconsin Medical Society Foundation was that it was formed out of the medical society as a arm for physicians to really be able to control and have impact with their philanthropy. And again, we talked a little bit at the beginning about our mission is to make the state healthier, which is so broad, but it's, it's a fun mission to be working for. And I think the, the society has, has had some really great ideas over the course of the years. We grew out of the society in 1955, so have been around quite a long time trying to help physicians improve their, their state. Yeah, I, I really think between both of our organizations, between the, the foundation and WISMED Financial, I mean, ultimately, we're trying to make a difference in the world and help physicians, help our communities. Um, and so to learn more about either one of our organizations, please visit foundation.wismed.org or visit wismedfinancial.org. And so with that, March, thanks for the interview today, joining me today, and I uh, look forward to doing more of these podcasts with you again in the future. It's been fun. Have a great day. Thanks. That will wrap up this edition of WISMED On Call. If you liked what you heard, please visit the website wismed.org and look for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions or feedback, send an email to communications at wismed.org. Thanks for listening.